to Isaiah, Isaiah 46, and then Proverbs 19. Isaiah 46 and Proverbs 19. I think we're on. I think we're good. In Isaiah chapter number 46, this is where we were last week. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time here tonight. I just want to remind us and review just a little bit. Isaiah chapter number 46, verse 5. It says, To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we may be like? Last week we spoke on this subject matter, a burden to bear or a burden bearer. Do we serve those little g-gods that are burdens to bear or do we serve and worship the burden bearer? Now we're, we're missing context if you weren't here last week because the first part of the chapter speaks to that about how They carried their idols around, and it was a burden for them to bear. And then he comes to verse 5, and he says, Look, who who are you going to liken me? Who are you going to make me equal to or compare me? And then verse number 10, and this is where we ended last week. This was uh, our last truth that we looked at last week, and I want to continue tonight to look at this thought. But in verse number 10, he says, Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. My counsel shall stand. Look at Proverbs chapter 19. And I believe this was the last verse we looked at last Wednesday night. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse number 21, the Bible says there are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. And in Isaiah chapter number 46, we said that God's counsel is incomparable. That was our last thought last week about how He is incomparable. And we finished with the fact that his counsel is incomparable. And we ask this question. If we believe that the Lord's counsel is truly incomparable, there, there's no comparison to God's word, is there? Do we believe that tonight? I believe we do. I don't have any doubt about that. So the question was, if we believe that the Lord's counsel is truly incomparable, then why don't we always listen and heed His counsel? God's counsel is eternal. It's eternal. It's eternal in its existence. It's eternal in its blessings. It's eternal in its requirements. It's eternal in its perfection. 
The Bible says, as for God, His way is perfect. Okay, so if God's counsel is incomparable, and it is, we know that tonight, then why do we have a hard time listening to it? Why do we have a hard time heeding it? I say a hard time tonight. You might say, well, Pastor, I don't necessarily have a hard time, but there are areas where every single one of us fail when it comes to listening to the counsel of God. Why? Because we know it's eternal. We know Proverbs 19.21 says, look, it shall stand. It's never going to fall. It's, it's never going to disappoint us. It's never going to let us down. It's never going to fail. God's counsel is always perfect. So what's the problem? And tonight, I want to, I want to give us some examples tonight to hopefully help us and show us what some of the problems are tonight. And I'm going to give us five reasons, five examples. And we're going to, this is going to be more of a, a topical message tonight. We, we rarely do that. We're normally in a passage and stay there. But I want to look at five different characters tonight. And I want to see five different examples of why man doesn't listen and doesn't heed counsel that we know is eternal. Counsel that we know is truthful. And then we're also going to see, as we see these examples, we're going to see the tragic results. And so for the next few moments, I want to bring you a message entitled, very simply, from Proverbs 19, 21, Still Standing. Still Standing. We're going to look at five examples tonight. They're all in the Old Testament. We're going to see five examples tonight of individuals who did not heed God's counsel. But here's the truth. God's counsel still stands today. It doesn't matter if we listen to it or not. We, we've all heard the phrase, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. That's not true. doesn't matter if I believe it or not. God said it, that settles it. Now, it's a good thing if I believe it. But God said it, that settles it. And if God said it, it's going to be standing for all of eternity. I, I can either get in on it and I can listen and heed and get in on the blessings or I can do like these five examples that we're going to look at tonight. I, I can disregard it and experience the tragic results. And so we're going to look at this tonight, still standing. Take your Bibles and we're going to pray in just a moment. Let's go ahead and turn to our first passage, Numbers chapter 13. That's where we're going to begin tonight. Numbers chapter 13. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help tonight. Father, we love you tonight. I pray that you would teach us and remind us tonight. I'm thankful that your counsel is still standing thousands of years later. And Father, it will be standing for thousands of years into the future because your counsel shall stand. It will be forever. It's eternal in its existence. It's eternal in its perfection. And Father, whether we listen to it or not, it's still eternal. The only, uh, the only issue with whether we listen to it or not are the consequences. And those consequences can either be good or those consequences can be tragic. So Lord, tonight I pray that you'd remind us and help us to heed and to hearken and to listen and to obey the counsel that you give to us. Father, we pray for our children and our teenagers. Father, I pray that the Word of God would be placed into their hearts one more time tonight. And Father, I pray that in just a few moments as we go to prayer and as we lift these prayer requests up to you tonight, Father, I pray that you would incline your ear toward us. I pray that you'd hear us and answer 
Father, I'm thankful that you are the God that hearest prayer. Oh, thou that hearest prayer. Father, I'm thankful that that's one of your names. And Father, I pray that you'd hear us and answer and help. And Father, give us the grace and mercy that we need. Father, we love you tonight. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. In Numbers chapter 13, we begin tonight with the first example, and that's the example of the spies. The example of the spies. And with each one of these examples, I want to give us a statement, and then I'm going to show us the result. And so with the spies tonight, here's our statement. Fear rebels against God's faithfulness. If we know God's counsel is true, if we know it stands forever, then why are there times in our lives when we don't listen to it, when we ignore it, or when we rebel against it? Well, one of those reasons is fear. We come to Numbers chapter 13, and we know the story. Moses has sent out the 12 spies, and they come back. And in verse number 26 of Numbers 13... The Bible says, And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great, and moreover we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Here, here's the difference between the ten and between Joshua and Caleb. They had faith... In God's faithfulness. The other ten, their fear was greater than the remembrance of God's faithfulness. Because God had been faithful to them all throughout. From the get-go, He had been faithful bringing them out of Egypt, across the Red Sea, now to Kadesh Barnea. By the way, Kadesh Barnea is the place of decision. Every single one of us in here tonight have many Kadesh Barnea moments in our lives. There are times of decision. And we'll either have a decision of faith and trust the faithful one, or we'll make the decision to fear. Fear rebels against God's faithfulness. Because God had been faithful and faithful and faithful. And what had He promised the nation of Israel? What had He promised? The land. He he said, it's already yours. You, you, You just need to go take it. I'll give you that land. I'm going to give you that land. So he had already promised. He had already proven himself faithful. And listen, fear rebels against the faithfulness of God. It rebels against the promises of God. And it says, you know what, God, I know you've been faithful, but at this moment my fear is greater than your promise. And sometimes the reason that we don't heed the counsel of God, even though we have a head knowledge that it is eternal, that it is trustworthy, that it is perfect, is because of fear. Caleb, the Bible says in verse 30, stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. 
You know what they just said at that moment? They said, those people are stronger than our God. Because God had already promised them the land. Now, by the way, I'm not being pious against Israel because we do that too. God gives us promises and we look at the giant or we look at the situation and we're like, oh, I just don't think I can handle that. Well, you can't. That's true. You can't. I can't. He said, we can't do it. They're stronger than we are. Verse 32. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. Chapter 14, verse number 1. The Bible says, And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. And the people wept that night. Pastor, why do the people weep? I believe there's many reasons. But their dreams died that night. Their dreams died. Everything they imagined and envisioned going to the promised land, it was, it was done because of fear. Fear rebels against God's faithfulness. What was the result? The land was lost. Would you look at chapter 14, drop down if you would to verse 21. The land was lost. There are many Christians who never get to the promised land, spiritually speaking. Again, let me say this, I know I've said it many, many times, I don't mean to be repetitious. But the promised land is not a picture of heaven. The land of Canaan is a picture of the victorious Christian life. Many Christians never get there because of fear. They never see any of the giants fall in their lives because of fear. God, God has given the victory. God will give the victory. But they never, get, they never get to see the land because they don't have faith in God's counsel. They don't have courage, faith in God's promises. The result, the land was lost. Verse number 21 But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, you know what he's saying there? They they saw my faithfulness. They saw me be faithful over and over and over and over again. They saw it. And have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice, Notice verse 23. Surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwelt in the valley. Tomorrow turn you and get you into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. And the Lord spoke unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, How long? Shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel which they murmur against me, saying to them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness. Hey, you you are worried about dying in the promised land because of the giants? 
your carcasses are going to fall in this wilderness, not across the Jordan, but right here. And all that were numbered of you according to your whole number from 20 years old and upward, which have murmured against me, doubtless you shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of Nun. But your little ones, which he said should be a prey. What was one of the things they were worried about? Our little ones are just going to be a prey to these giants. Our our little ones aren't going to make it. But your little ones, verse 31, which he said should be a prey, them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which ye have despised. But as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness, and your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years, and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. Number one, the spies. What do they show us tonight? They show us that fear rebels against God's faithfulness. What is the result? The land is lost. Go a little bit further in the Old Testament to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter number 6. We have the second example tonight. It is the man Achan. Joshua chapter number 6 tonight. We'll read verse number 8, verses 8 and 9. Joshua chapter 6, verse 8. And it shall come to pass when Joshua... Or excuse me, and it came to pass when Joshua had spoken unto the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns passed on before the Lord and blew the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. And the armed men, actually, you know what, I'm in the wrong place. I'm in the wrong place. Look at verse 18, not 8, 18. Joshua chapter 6, verse 18. That's where I want to be. It says, And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed, when you take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Okay, so one of the stipulations of going into Jericho and defeating Jericho was this. You're not supposed to take any of the spoil for yourself. The silver and the gold, you're going to put that into the treasury of the Lord. But all of the spoil, you're not supposed to take it for yourself. Look at chapter number 7. Verse number 1. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. Our second example tonight, Achan, what does he teach us? This is what he teaches us. Covetousness rebels against God's commands. The spies show us tonight that fear rebels against God's faithfulness. We're talking about the counsel of God. The Word of God. Okay, fear rebels against His faithfulness. He, he has been faithful. He has proven Himself over and over and over and over again in the Word of God. By the way, we, we mentioned Psalm chapter number 18 and verse number 30 where the Bible says, As for God, His way is perfect. That verse doesn't stop there. It says the Word of the Lord is tried. It's been tested. It's been proven. And it says He is a buckler to all those that trust in Him. The spies show us that fear rebels against God's faithfulness. Achan shows us that covetousness rebels against God's command. So why sometimes do we not listen to the counsel of God when we know it's eternal and we know it's right? Fear and covetousness. Notice what Achan says. Drop down a little bit further in Joshua chapter number 7 to verse... 22. Actually, I'm sorry, verse 20. 
excuse me, Achan answered Joshua and said, they, they have figured out why they lost at Ai. They have figured out, figured out who the problem was with, and it was with Achan. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight. Notice what he says. Then I what? Coveted them. God said don't take it. God said the silver and the gold, that's going to go into the treasury. But everything else, all the other spoils, don't take anything for yourself. What did Achan say? He said, I coveted. I saw something I didn't need. I saw something I didn't have to have. But I saw something that looked nice. And I wanted it right then. And I took it. We've said it many, many times, but that's the world we live in, isn't it? We want it when? We want it right now. We want it right now. We don't have to have it. We don't have to have it. But we want it right now. You know what that is? That's covetousness. We want it right now. And that goes against the very commands of God. Exodus chapter number 20, the Ten Commandments. One of the Ten Commandments is, Thou shalt not covet. Covetousness rebels against God's command. So Achan said, he said, I coveted them and took them. And behold, they are hitting the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran into the tent. And behold, it was hid in his tent and the silver under it. They took them out of the midst of the tent and brought them unto Joshua and unto all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord, speaking of the spoils. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan the son of Zerah and the silver and the garment and the wedge of gold and his sons and his daughters and his oxen and his asses and his sheep and his tin and all that he had and they brought them unto the valley of Achor. Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones. And burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Wherefore the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor unto this day. The second example is Achan. What does he teach us? Covetousness rebels against God's command. What was the result? The spoils. The spoils did not satisfy. The spoils did not satisfy. The spoils that he took after he coveted, they did not satisfy. Well, hey, you know, I, I, I don't have to have it, but I'd, I'd like to have this new this and this new this and this new this. And you know what? I'll put it on the credit card. It'll be okay. And then the spoils a year down the road or maybe even just a few months down the road when the bills start to come in and the interest rate's 21% and we can't seem to make the payment, the spoils don't satisfy. You see, covetousness rebels against God's commands. Fear rebels against God's faithfulness. His counsel is faithful. His commands are true and right. But fear and covetousness rebels against those. And what are the results? The land is lost. We don't, we don't, we don't get to experience 
the abundant Christian life the way God wants us to. And the spoils never satisfy. Oh, that new truck smell smells good until you have to clip those 84 payments. And about after the eighth one, you're like, what in the world did I do? The spoils don't ever satisfy. Let me give you number three. Take your Bibles and go to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter number 2. We see the first example, the spies, and they teach us that fear rebels against God's faithfulness. The second example, Achan, he teaches us that covetousness rebels against God's commands. Why don't we listen sometimes? Because of fear, because of covetousness. And then now we see the third one, 1 Samuel chapter number 2, verse number 12. The Bible says, now the sons of Eli, our third example is Eli, the priest. Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord, and the priest's custom of the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant came while the flesh was in seething with a flesh hook of three teeth in his hand. And he struck it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. All that the flesh hook brought up, the priest took for himself. So they did in Shiloh unto all the Israelites that came thither. Also before they burnt the fat, the priest's servants came and said to the man that sacrificed, Give flesh to roast for the priest, for he will not have sodden flesh of thee but raw. And if any man said unto him, Let them not fall, or excuse me, fail to burn the fat presently, and then take as much as thy soul desireth, then he would answer him, Nay, but thou shalt give it me now, and if not, I will take it by force. Wherefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Verse number 22. Now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did, unto all Israel, and how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. His boys were wicked. And he said unto them, Why do ye such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. Ye make the Lord's people to transgress. If one man sin against another, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Notwithstanding, they hearkened not unto the voice of their father, because the Lord would slay them. And the child Samuel grew on and was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. And there came a man of God unto Eli and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Did I plainly appear unto the house of thy father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? And did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be, excuse me, to be my priest, to offer upon mine altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? And did I give unto the house of thy father all the offerings made by the fire of the children of Israel? Wherefore, Kiki, at my sacrifice and at mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honorest thy sons above me, to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Wherefore, the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, be it far from me. For them that honor me, I will honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days come that I will cut off thine arm and the arm of thy father's house, that there shall not be an old man in thine house. Look at chapter 3, verse 11. The Lord is calling Samuel here. In verse number 11, And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. 
When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth. Notice this, because his sons made themselves vile, and he what? Restrained them not. What does Eli teach us tonight? Eli teaches us that the heart rebels against God's honor. The heart rebels against God's honor. Look back at chapter 2 again. Verse 29, he says, Wherefore, kick at my sacrifice and at mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation. Notice this, And honorest thy sons above me. In verse 30, he says, Be it far from me, for them that honor me I will honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. What does Eli teach us? He teaches us that the heart, and the heart is desperately wicked, the Bible says. Who can know it? That the heart rebels against God's honor. And the Bible says that Eli lifted his sons up above God and he restrained them not. He knew they were doing wrong. He knew that, that, that exactly what they were doing with the sacrifices. He knew what they were doing with the women at the temple. And the Bible says he restrained them not. And he lifted his children above God. Well, I'm not going to restrain them because I love them too much. No, we ought to love God more. We ought to honor Him and His desires. What was the result? Look at chapter 4, verse 17. And the messenger answered and said, Israel is fled before the Philistines, and there hath been also a great slaughter among the people. Thy two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God is taken It came to pass when he made mention of the ark of God that he, speaking of Eli, fell from off the seat backward by the side of the gate and his neck break and he died for he was an old man and heavy and he had judged Israel forty years. And his daughter-in-law, Phinehas' wife, was with child near to be delivered and when she heard the tidings that the ark of God was taken and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and travailed for her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women that stood by her said unto her, Fear not, for thou hast born a son. But she answered not, neither did she regard it. And she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory is departed from Israel. Because the ark of God was taken, and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory is departed from Israel, for the ark of God is taken. Eli teaches us that the heart rebels against God's honor. What's the result? The glory is gone. The glory is gone. When the heart rebels against God's honor. Been doing a lot of listening and studying recently. Lord willing, we'll we'll preach to this maybe sometime down the road. But I've been studying and researching the modern day contemporary Christian music industry and environment. Not all, but many of the most well-known artists today are LGBTQ activists. Songs that you will probably hear on K-Love They are LGBTQ activists. 
they openly speak that the Lord Jesus Christ loves their lifestyle and is okay with their lifestyle and He affirms their lifestyle. And what they're doing is they are allowing their heartstrings to be tugged and they are lifting up their heart above God's honor and I would use even another word, above God's holiness. I use honor because that's the word that was used in 1 Samuel. It lifts it above God's holiness. What is the result of that? The glory is gone. Why is the glory leaving America if it has not already left America? Because we have people who call themselves Christians who devalue the holiness of God. Who devalue the honor of God. And so it's okay if this artist, because hey, we're, we're in the same industry and we just love everybody and we love her and, and, and it's okay. By the way, it's okay that she uses some of the foulest of the foul language in her music. It's okay. Because we affirm her. Because we love her. Because Jesus Christ would want... A, listen, there's a difference between God's love and the world's love. God's love is full of the entirety of His character, including His holiness, justice, and righteousness. The world's love today is simply this. You have to tolerate everything and accept everything. That's not biblical love. That's not God's love. And you want a definition of love? What's a definition of love? One word. God. What is love? God. God is holy, God is righteous, God is just, God is gracious, God is merciful. God is love. Why did Jesus Christ have to die? If what they are doing is okay, and if what everybody else is doing is okay, why in the world did Jesus Christ have to come? He didn't have to. Because nobody's doing anything wrong. Because nobody is a sinner. What does Eli teach us? Teach us? He teaches us that the heart rebels Against God's honor. What is the result? The glory is gone. Why is the glory leaving America? Because we have elevated our opinions and our thoughts and we have allowed our hearts and our heartstrings to be pulled. We spoke about this recently with the justice of God. And so now we don't see God's justice as a... A, a firm, fixed position. We make it what we want it to be. We, mu- we must hasten. Let's move on. Lamentations. Lamentations chapter number 1. Lamentations chapter number 1. The spies, what do they teach us? Fear rebels against God's faithfulness. And by the way, let me say this tonight. I understand that music is one of those issues. Oh, pastor, I don't know if you ought to delve into that or not. Listen, let me ask you this tonight. Is it important who you allow to influence your life? Is it? Yes or no? Very much. Okay, the music that we listen to influences us. We ought to understand who we are listening to. We ought to understand what they believe. By the way, do you know there is a drag artist and her stage name is Flamey Grant? 
It's not the Amy Grant, but she took that name because Amy Grant is okay with that. It's Pastor, you're lying. Look it up. She just performed the wedding of her niece and her niece's wife. She performed the wedding. Amy Grant. Supposed to be the, 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 the greatest female Christian artist in our lifetime. And so this drag artist has taken that name, Flamey Grant. Flamey. Mockery. Blasphemous. Flamey Grant. It matters who you allow to influence your life. Whether it's who you listen to preach, who you listen to sing, who you allow your children to listen to. It matters. Lamentations chapter number 1. The fourth example tonight is the nation of Judah. It's not just one person, it's a nation. The nation of Judah. Lamentations chapter 1, verse number 1. The Bible says, How doth the city sit solitary? That was full of people. Who's this? What city is this? It's Jerusalem. How doth the city sit solitary that was full of people? How is she become as a widow? She that was great among the nations and princess among the provinces. How is she become tributary? She weepeth sore in the night and her tears are on her cheeks. Notice this. Among all her, what's the word there? Lovers. She hath none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. Judah is gone into captivity because of affliction and because of great servitude. She dwelleth among the heathen. She findeth no rest. All her persecutors overtook her between the straits. The ways of Zion do mourn because none come to the solemn feast. All her gates are desolate. Her priests sigh. Her virgins are afflicted. And she is in bitterness. Notice verse 8. Jerusalem hath grievously sinned. Therefore she is removed. All that honored her despise her because they have seen her nakedness. Yea, she sigheth and turneth backward. Our fourth example is Judah. What does Judah teach us? Teach us, excuse me. Judah teaches us that lust rebels against God's love. Lust rebels against God's love. In the book of Isaiah and Jeremiah both, but in Jeremiah, God speaks to His people and He said, Look, He said, what more could I have done? He said, I hedged you in. I, I, I put you in this, in this uh, vineyard and I hedged you in. What more could I have done but lust and Judah's lust for other gods and Judah's lust to go her own way. Lust rebels against God's love. What is the result? Look at verse number 5. Her adversaries are the chief. Her enemies prosper. For the Lord hath afflicted her for the multitude of her transgressions. Her children are gone into captivity before the enemy. What is the result? The children are captured. Lust rebels against God's love. Hey, I love you. I want to spend time with you. You're my child. I want to be close to you. But no, no, Lord, I've got all these other Little G gods, I have all these other activities and all these other things that I do. And lust rebels against God's love. And what is the result? The children are captured.
children are captured. Take your Bible and go to Isaiah and we'll be done tonight. The children are captured. Lust rebels against God's love. The children are captured. See, here's the thing. The devil doesn't mind if you come to church every now and then. By the way, I, I, I firmly believe that the devil's okay if you come like once every two weeks because he knows you're teaching your children confusion. Are we in or are we out? Are we in or are we out? What's more important? In and out, in and out, in and out. And I, 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 I've taught my children confusion. I've confused them. What's most important in our lives? And Judah, in and out, in and out, in and out. Yes, God, we love you, love you. And they repent. The book of Judges, we repent. Oh, God, we're, we're in captivity and we repent. And God sent a judge. And then they went right back to it. Number five, Isaiah chapter 14 and verse number 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of morning? How art thou, excuse me, thou cut down to the ground, which didst, weak, excuse me, didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. The fifth example we have tonight is Lucifer. What does he teach us? He teaches us that pride rebels against God's preeminence. What's the result? At verse 15, Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of the prisoners. What is the result? The destruction is declared. The destruction is declared. By the way, somebody tell me Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goeth before what? Destruction and a haughty spirit before what? Before fall. Pride goeth before destruction. Lucifer, the fifth example, teaches us that pride rebels against God's preeminence. What's the result? Destruction is declared. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Listen, we know God's counsel is eternal, so why do we have trouble with it sometimes? Fear, covetousness, pride, lust. What was that third one in the middle there? I've forgotten. Heart, the heart. The heart rebels against God's honor. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. Please don't. Lead your heart. And lead it by the word of God. We all struggle in some of those areas. Or, or maybe you're, you're doing good and you don't struggle in any of those areas. But those are just, just five examples of what causes us not to listen to counsel that we know is absolutely right. We know God's counsel is eternal. We know it shall stand forever. It's still standing today. It'll still be standing thousands of years to now. So why don't we listen to it? Why don't we heed it every single time? Fear, 
Can I tell you tonight, God is faithful all the time. Don't fear. Have courage. Faith in God's promises. Covetousness. Boy, the, the, the world lays stuff out there before us, doesn't it? Don't fall in the trap. The heart. Our heartstrings get pulled and, and instead of doing what God's Word says, we, oh, well, you know, it'll be okay just this once. No, no, no. What about lust? Lust rebels against God's love. And number five, and probably the biggest one, is pride. Pride rebels against God's preeminence. God, I know you're right. God, I know your word is right. But God, I just don't want to do that. God, I don't think I have... Look, it's 2023. Why should I still have to do that? I just don't think that's right, Lord. Pride. What did Lucifer say? He said, I will be like... The Most High. What did Isaiah 46.5 say? Who are you going to liken me to? Who are you going to compare me to? Who are you going to make equal to me? There is no God like me. Still standing. It will still be standing thousands of years from now. Amen. Father, we love you tonight. Help us, Lord, as we go to prayer. Hear us and listen to us, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. It is 8.02. If you need to go and get your kids, I understand. But if you can stay, uh, stay and pray.